Chef Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there! You have tuned into episode 16 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living Bantha Pudu out of it. I'm Jose, aka Joxie in the Utiniverse. I have watched all Star Wars canon movies and TV shows. I have read 41 Star Wars books and I own 15 of them. And I'm Trev, keeper of a timeline pages over at utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media and own over 1,000 Star Wars books and comics. Jose, your, your 41 number does seem to have stayed fixed for a, a while now. When was the last time you read a Star Wars book? I'm in the middle of one right now, so <laughs> hopefully by the next time we record, we'll be at 42. <laughs> but I've seen your posts about... Uh, I've seen your post about TV shows you watched. You do like a list, so I imagine you do have a list somewhere of every Star Wars book you've read. I had a list. It was the Utini bookshelf, <laughs> 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 but that was taken offline. But um, the new improved so to, versions there? Yes, there there is. I just <laughs> I need I need to recreate the list. I was I think I, I've been mourning my uh, my bookshelf for <laughs> for a little <laughs> long now. Um, but that's how I was keeping track of it. Um, but, but Emma's got you covered. Anyway, Emma's got you covered. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. new improved bookshelf is there. It's all in Coda. If, right. For any of you listeners who want to check it out, it's in the Discord. Go and, yeah. go and tag Emma. Ask for some help. She's got everything you need to track your own book reading library list. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like after I had my... I I have I have this to keep track of it technically now because I'm like I have 41 and I read one more and I can just easily change it in here. But you're right. I mean, um, it's been uh, it's it's been a little static since the last book that came out. Um, for you know for a couple of episodes now, but but yeah, no, I've been watching and doing other things. I've been busy myself, so <laughs> um, that's why it hasn't changed very much over the last few episodes. Anyways. Trev, what what is it that we exactly do here in this show? So for anyone joining us for the first time, this is a largely unscripted show where once we've decided on each episode's topic, Jose will do whatever research he needs, whilst I will try and do as little research as possible. Now, listeners, hold on. I've done research this week. (laughs) It's been weeks since I did any. And I thought it was only fair I actually refreshed my brain. So we could talk about anything. Legends, canon, books, comics, TV shows, whatever, you name it, and hopefully keep you both entertained and informed for the next hour or so. And I'm glad you did your research because I didn't do very much research for this one, so I think we've uh, (laughs) we've flipped uh, places here. 
But uh, yeah, on today's episode, we will be talking about the amazing and astonishing adventures of and absolutely anything of that Aquarian alien, the admirable Admiral Akbar. Round of applause. Uh, <laughs> I would have popped that up. I feel like I up. need to do that again, but <laughs> or just leave it as is. But that was just a lot of, that was a lot. <laughs> Aha! This is a ploy! No. It's a ruse! No. It's an ambush! No. A subterfuge! No. A confining device! A snare! A box popped up with a stick! It's a trap! It's a wrap! Where's my hat? It's a trap! Sorry! Sorry! Just finally figured it out! On my way back to the office! Couldn't get it out of my head! Gotta go! Trev, what, what the hell was that? What did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> so that, dear friend, they, they made a whole series of this Star Wars animated show called Star Wars Detours before Disney bought Star Wars and it got binned, it got canned and that is a clip from a show and it's incredible and there's rumours that it's going to come to Disney Plus and we can only hope because I need I need that in my life. I need yeah. that silly Star Wars. No, that's right. I mean, Detours, I believe uh, there's 39 fully produced um, and yep. ready like episodes yep, they, they in the Disney it. vault. They literally yeah. made it. George Lucas and and some of the producers, I think, behind uh, uh, Robot Chicken were involved in this. And yeah, there's 39 episodes just ready to go, man. So, But can you, can you think of another franchise that films a whole season or something and then goes, you know what, now we're okay. <laughs> we're just gonna leave that there it's no it's insane yeah but i mean i i get i get that maybe like um disney didn't want to just start out with that because they're just trying to reestablish themselves as or reestablish yeah. the whole series as a as a serious thing and obviously yeah, and like it's, everything it's, that they're releasing is like canon and everything but and there's brand reputation involved and in, as well right. but you know let's be honest this is a franchise that had the Ewoks cartoon. Yes. It's it's safe. Yes. It's a, yes. I don't think you can damage the Star Wars <laughs> brand apart from right. releasing terrible movies. Oh, <laughs> everything else. But is fine. also, I mean, this would have been a perfect thing to release during this pandemic. Like it it would have been. Everyone's at home, and now we're you know hopefully towards the end tail of it all. So just bring it out, right? But, like, I did hear a rumor the other day. Well, I read a post that confirmed that the droid show is coming to Disney Plus, but it's only been confirmed for the UK. Ha! Huh. Really? Yep, June nineteenth. It's coming to the UK. I'm sure it means it's coming everywhere, but yeah, for yeah, whatever yeah. reason, that bit of information leaked. So you can finally watch Kaibo Ren in action. Perfect. Well, you can. I cannot because I'm not in the UK, possibly. No, but when it, it'll be everywhere. It'll be everywhere. Yeah. It will be. Yeah. Anyway, back to today. All right. So, Trev, let's just let's just actually dive deep into the waters of Moncala now and get back into our topic. I think that, if I remember correctly, I proposed this topic right after our Jackson episode because there's just so many alien species in the Star Wars universe and focusing on one of the characters that, you know, one of these alien characters just gives us an, an opportunity to, you know, go on tangents, discussing their species as a whole. And for anyone trying to get to learn more about Star Wars in general, it's a really good way to, to do this. But you were actually really into the idea of doing an Akbar episode. and <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Um, is there a reason why you were super into it? I, I, I think it, 
I think it really suits our little niche audience here, but it's a it's a B or C list side character who's yeah. also integral to the plot and they've you, got loads yeah. of stories spanning, you know, decades of yeah. Star Wars storytelling. So there's a lot for me to pull from. And it's, <laughs> you know, but one of the things I love about what we do here is talking about lots of different books. Yeah. And a character like this absolutely gives us the opportunity to do that. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, I know Luke is your favorite character. I wasn't sure if, like, Akbar was just also up there on your list of, like, top Star Wars characters or something. I mean, um, he, 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 he's he's incredible he's <laughs> what 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 can you say to to diss this guy you know he's a military thinker he's snappy dressing with a white suit it, it's just a good all-rounder yeah well apparently that suit I, I i mean i didn't do a lot of research i did do some but there's just a lot of information out there, and I yes. think I just got overwhelmed. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go a little bit more, more uh, a little bit more blind into this episode because there's just there is a lot of information. But I did learn that that suit actually is made of some material that retains like the humidity in his body or something. So you know, so that he doesn't dry out. So polyester. Is- <laughs> space polyester <laughs> yeah. uh, but but yeah that's that is uh that is what i what i read about the a white you know that white suit which he's not wearing in the sequel trilogy he just seems to be wearing more like normal clothing there uh, it's kind of the same suit but beige instead of white yeah. maybe it so, is the same suit and he just hasn't he watched just it in 30 years yes. <laughs> Oh, that's disgusting, man. Um, <laughs> let's okay. Um, all right. Now, one thing that we did last time that I really liked on the Chiss episode was that you know we kind of just um, went through a couple of quick facts about the Chiss or the species as a, species as a whole. So I wanted to do something kind of like that today as well before you do your whole chronology bit of books and all the appearances of akbar but instead of me asking you give me like x amount of facts about him i'm gonna actually ask you a number of questions and you know some of the answers maybe you were about to you know talk about in in your chronology or your research and if we if you do then that's fine we'll get into it later but right now, I'm just going to ask you questions, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to quiz you, and let's see how, how you do. Okay. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. Yeah, I have, I, have, uh, I have 10 questions, and the first five are within the Star Wars universe, okay? Okay. And the other five are kind of like outside, like our okay. real world stuff. Okay? Right, like behind All the right. scenes stuff. Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, I'm always really into the behind-the-scenes stuff, so I just had to include some of the, the things there. And instead of me just sort of, like, mouthing off a couple of random facts throughout the episode, I figured I'll just do it this way. <laughs> okay. Um, this might be an easy one for you. What is Akbar's first name? Now, it's Giao? Giao? Yeah. Giao? I don't actually know how to pronounce it. I'm yes. Yes. Met- this was on my list of things to research today, was the correct pronunciation <laughs> of this name. But my research took me sound, 
down so many different rabbit holes, I forgot to look up <laughs> a really important thing. I'm going to go with Giel. Giel. That's what I'm going to yeah. go with. G-I-A-L. That is correct. Yeah. Um, I was reading it as Giel, Giel? but I I think Giel. What do you say? Giel? Giel. No, Giel. 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 I think Giel's probably right, actually. Giel, Let's go with Giel. Giel Akbar. Giel, yeah, Akbar. Giel Akbar. That has a nice... But another interesting thing is that that name didn't come until almost the very end of Legends. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It must have been a new Jedi Order because he died in that series. Uh, spoilers, sorry for anyone. Um, but it must have been in the new Jedi Order that he got given his name. Again, it was on my list of things to research today, the actual book, <laughs> but he got given his first name. But I got distracted, so yeah. it's one of them. Well, but he you went, got the first you know, question went, right. He went 30 years without a first name, so eventually yeah. somebody decided to give him one. All right. Question number two. Ask the keeper of the Utini timelines, Trev. Yes. When was he born and when did he die? Like, how old okay. was he, more or less, when he died, at least? Well, I'm going to have to push back here. Legends or canon? Because he, uh, give me he, both. Can't in, I mean, he can't die in the same place in both in both timelines. I am talking can't. I was... My... My facts are all canon, so... Okay. So in canon, he died during The Last Jedi in the missile strike that sucked Leia out of a bridge mm-hmm. uh, window. In Legends, he died just before the finale of A New Jedi Order, uh, the unifying mm. force. He was born... Now, his age is, I guess, at best... Um, but there is something that pins his age. I can't remember what it is. But he's around 80 when he dies in canon. So he's born mm-hmm. around 50 years before the Battle of Yavin. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. we don't have an exact uh, date for when he was born. But he was definitely alive prior to 52 BBY. Um, and he died on 34 ABY, so after Battle of Yammer, right? So he was in his 80s when he he died. There we go. Um, I just want to point out, by the way, for anyone who's unsure about this, so when I say I do research, I grab a ton of books on, off the shelf and scroll through them. <laughs> when Jose does research, <laughs> he looks at Wikipedia which, you know, which is fair enough, but I don't want anyone thinking that my research involves a looking looking at wikipedia because that would be cheating for me yes so all of my yes. research comes from books on the shelf i need to make that clear <laughs> yeah yeah no my my research is wikipedia and whatever other um articles online that people have posted about um and videos on youtube i just try to like gather as much as i can but yeah again for this one not a lot of that happened <laughs> except, except out of this 10 questions there's not a lot more that i have okay um, next question man okay what is his position during the Clone Wars? Like military position, rank, and, and such. I was looking into this today. I didn't watch the episodes. <laughs> I sat down and read. This afternoon, I sat down and read Akbar's Underwater Army, which is a very, very young reader's Dorling Kindersley adaptation uh-huh. of the three art Clone Wars episodes he was in. And even in my notes, I was 
writing down his ranks in these various things I did. I don't think I did it in this one. So I'm just going to go with Captain. Captain that Akbar. is correct. That oh, is get in. Correct. He is Captain <laughs> Akbar in the in the Clone Wars. Doesn't have the same ring to it, but he is only a captain during the Clone Wars. Um, what was the name of his ship during the Battle of Endor? Home One. Very good. Hey, so that's, that's an easy one. Easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and this is an I, I you know. I said that this couple of you know this few are are pretty easy I think and then once we go to the like behind the scenes and yeah then I may struggle more interesting <laughs> all right uh, last question of in universe Akbar um, did he have any children and what was and if he did do we know their names so he had a son in canon called Aftab who appears mm-hmm. in the Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. and I looked into Aftab a bit today. Readers, listeners, forget what I just said. I did have to Wikipedia Aftab. And it turns out that he'd only met his dad once after yep. he was born. And I, I found that very sad. It That tugged to my heartstrings a bit. Yeah. It's a little strange that, yeah, he, they only met once. And I feel like the typical thing for, uh, you know, when you when you see or when you hear that kind of story is that, the child doesn't want to, you know, they're resentful, right? Because they never met their dad or they felt that their dad was always away. But in this case, Aftab wants to continue his father's like legacy, even though they only met once. So, so, but one thing for us as puny humans to kind of accept is that different societies will have different values and relationships. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's just normal. Yeah, the Mon yeah. Cal, you know, yeah. just because we we don't think like that, maybe that's, that's just right. a normal societal behavior. Now we don't. Do we know anything about with Aftab's mother? No, not that no, I know right? of. Okay, but also even and... in Legends, there's a couple of um, Akbar family relationships. There's uh, oh, yeah. a cousin and a niece. So you, or maybe they're both nieces. So you have uh, Jasmine who joined Rogue Squadron. She was definitely a niece. Um, okay. She died in the line of duty. And I think was Silgal one of Luke's uh, initial Jedi Academy trainees. I'm I'm sure she was related to Akbar as well. But hmm. again, there was no no direct. There was no. No wife, no spouse, so we hmm. we don't know. We don't know who he was. Married. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was a military person, like career, um, and that's basically what he focused on. It seems right, but somehow, you know, in canon, I guess he he did have a little bit of a break before being brought back in, and that's when he had Aftab. But he must have not really been around very long at home, because then he was brought back into the war and never yeah, and, met his son and in legends i think the closest he got to a relationship and this is a controversial take now but the closest he got to a relationship was with winter who was leia's aide and you know human female looked very much like leia but at some point their relationship was hinted at having been more than platonic huh. in various Sources, even though she ended up being married to Tico 
like uh, Tico Selchu from Rogue Squadron. There was definite okay. hints in some books that Akbar and Winter had more than a more than a friendly relationship. Interesting. Wait, what was she human or an alien? She was human. Okay. <laughs> Just it, trying to it, figure it, out. It, it, it was it was hinted at. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> All right. Um next question. Um when was his first real world appearance, Trev? Okay, so my initial thought is obviously it wasn't Return of a Jedi. Um otherwise mm-hmm. you wouldn't ask be asking me this question. So I'm gonna go with Star Tours. The ride. No. Okay. Um he was indeed created for Return of the Jedi. Yeah. However, he actually appeared in 1982 in an Archie Goodwin's comic strip, Revenge of the Jedi, published in the Los Angeles Times Oh, yeah, of course Syndicate. he was. Yeah, no, yeah, I know those ones. Classic Star Wars. <laughs> that's the Revenge of the Empire arc, where you've, get, yeah. you've got them, because um, in that story, the Rebels are still on Yavin 4, mm-hmm. and there's, uh, he goes off in the Falcon, the Falcon gets... Uh, stuck in a lake and there's these big sea snakes trying to yeah okay fair enough there you go. I, I was thinking yeah. in a i was thinking in a live action medium when you asked the uh, question. yeah no so i mean it, it was just a, a few months before the movie came out then he appears in here but he was uh first live action would have been the movie itself okay i thought that was a trick question there mm. i mean it's sort one. of <laughs> it's a random comic strip Next one, okay. Before deciding that Admiral Akbar was going to have the role he has in the movie, right? What other character was set to have that role? I know this. So it was the the Gran. So mm-hmm. Reese, the three eyed thing from Jabba's Palace. Apparently, he was also going to be not the same character, but the same alien mold. Yes. But they had this other mold that they come up with, and at some point whether it was George Lucas himself or one of the production guys. Actually, you know, let's use that. Yeah, I think that once they looked at the head sculpts uh, more closely, they uh, they decided to go with the Ak- with Akbar as having, like, being, like, having the role he had in the movie. Um, they were both already going to appear in the movie, but then it was once they kind of, like, saw the actual head sculpts and, and the molds themselves that they're like, oh, I think this would work better. So that is how we got Akmiral Akbar as being admiral akbar at least i got that one right yeah no you did all right so akbar was voiced in return of the jedi by eric bauerfeld who also voiced what other character in the film jesus christ uh (laughs) i have no idea no idea at all I'm, i'm gonna take a punt and go salacious crumb no. <laughs> this is uh It was unlikely. Eric Bauerfeld also voices Bib Fortuna. See, I was gonna say that. Ah, you should have gone with your gut, man. The actor who played Bib Fortuna would have voiced That's what I thought. So yeah, that, yeah. That's why it was a little bit of an interesting fact here. I was like, okay, this this is this is good. Because I, right. I can't remember the actor that played Bob Fortuna off the top of my head. But yeah. 
if you'd said the name, it would have related to me. So anyway, okay. Yeah. Next next question. Well, Akbar was puppeteered by Tim Rose, who uh, also okay. puppeteered which bell. other characters in the film? Uh um let's just go with Jabba, because there was like eight people who did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been I, I guess it's possible, but Tim Rose actually puppeteered Salacious Crumb. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> and, and Size Noodles. Okay. So he was, uh, yeah, uh, Jim Henson, um, like George Lucas borrowed him from Jim Henson, and uh, he played, uh, he puppeteered Akbar, Salacious Crumb, and Size Noodles. And I mean, there was my, a lot of puppets in that film. Yes, there's a lot of puppets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's actually with uh, with Akbar, there was there was the animatron or the puppet itself, and then there's just a, a mask. I think at one point they were thinking of using someone in a suit, but they just you know they yeah, kind of like it, it went didn't back work. and forth. Yeah. All right. Last question that you already kind of brought this up, but when do we first learn of Akbar's first name? Again, I can't remember the book, yeah. so I'm going with something from New Jedi Order. The first time we or, hear wait, his... wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, or the Essential Guide from Warfare reference book. Those are my two picks. Because I know he's got a is... really good uh, vignette in that, because I was literally reading that book earlier. Yeah. But I don't know. It is the essential guide to warfare by oh. Jason Fry and Paul Urquhart, uh, released in 2012. So this is—I mean, you were right that it was towards the end of the Legends era, and but it was—it was in this guide, this reference guide that they. And honestly, for anyone who's into the reference books, that essential guide to warfare is incredible. There's loads yeah. of little, tiny short stories, you know, like literally vignettes. So one page kind of things there's so what have you got you got the clone trooper falls in a hole vignette which is just the the, the recollection of a battle of geonosis from someone who's a brand new clone first day on the job kind of thing that's oh, brilliant wow, that's cool you've got stuff about thrawn it fills in loads of gaps between uh legends books the artwork's incredible it's honestly fantastic it's it's one of the best reference books for Star Wars have ever ever produced. And so you're for not... anyone who's into that stuff, I mean, get it. are you into the reference guides? <laughs> I, I I I like them when they provide a new narrative. It, okay. There has to be a fictional element for me to be invested. Like things like um the old essential guide to characters, the essential chronology. Very very dry read for me. I'm not interested. Yeah, but to put something into context, so. My nephew is coming to stay with me next week for a Star Wars day. He wanted that as his birthday present to come and spend uh -huh. a Star Wars day at Uncle Trev's house. So uh -huh. I said to him, I said, let's buy the Galaxy's Edge cookbook so we can look for some Star Warsy things to cook. So you yeah. open the Galaxy's Edge cookbook. And there's an introduction by the in-universe chef. So that's in-universe narrative. So straight yeah. away, that belongs on my shelf. That that's a book for me now. So the amount of books I've bought that just have that one introduction, because it's in universe, it's a fresh yes. fictional narrative that becomes a must buy for me. Without that, the straight reference books don't really interest me at all. Okay. Any sort of in universe context, 
that belongs on my shelf. That's that's one yeah. of my personal collecting rules. <laughs> just yeah, so as long just... as it gives context within to to add to the history within the universe, yeah. then it, it has to be part of your. So like the old West collection. End game source books, they had tons of little vignettes and short stories, but then when you had the when Wizards of the Coast took over the license and they released the the D twenty Saga role uh, role playing source books, it was all about um facts facts and rules there was no new fiction in it yeah so that yeah. that doesn't appeal to me at all but there's nothing yeah. in that for me i don't play the game so there's nothing <laughs> in that. but if they even had a one-page introduction by some fictional character going by the way this is where we were at at this point in the galaxy then i'd have to have yeah bought them. <laughs> so so yeah so that essential guide to warfare it's honestly it's incredible it's literally for my from my money it's the best reference book that's ever ever been released wow so yeah so that's that's high marks from you man yeah i know that yeah i mean it's i mean they they did things like this like give uh give some of a character that has been around for a long time give actually give him a first name and give him a little bit of, of history there i guess um and you know once it switches over just a few years later because this was 2012 right so um yeah when you know when was the when did disney acquire uh, this? 2014 it's like 2014 so two years later and then i think it is in 2015 when they released the next uh guide or reference guide and they decided to keep uh <laughs> what did we decide on guile uh, guile yeah as, guile. yeah so and then they decided to keep that as his first name so it is it is now both legends and canon or it was canonized so um that is his first name all right, so you did pretty good, man. I'm, um, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I guess your research worked. <laughs> <laughs> all Not right, all of that so... was research; some of that was off the top of the head. Yeah, I know. Okay, fair, fair enough. That that is true. That is true. I mean, you you didn't remember when his first name first appeared at the beginning of the quiz, and then with the last question, you just you did remember. So, um, it's all in there somewhere. It's in there. God All right. <laughs> well, what do you have for me today? Do you want to do you want to go now through his like history of appearances and all that or what do you So do want to do this? So I literally spent my afternoon like I said earlier, I literally grabbed a massive pile of books and my laptop mm-hmm. and I sat downstairs and I went through loads of stuff today. And there's loads of stuff that I'd forgot about this guy. He's played such a key role in massive Legends books, you know, really key points on the timeline. But I just forgot because some of these books are decades old at this point. Yeah. But he's still being used. He's still he's still in really modern stuff as well. So I want to talk about like our first kind of chronological introduction to him, which is the Clone Wars cartoon. So mm-hmm. season four, the first three episodes, like I mentioned earlier, I was reading the Dorling Kindersley Young yeah. Readers book. So he's in that where uh, the Separatists are trying to install like a their own leader on Dak because... So let's talk about Dak for a second, just a sideline. Uh-huh. So for years, the, the Mon Cal home planet was called Mon Calamari, same as a species. So you yes. have the planet Mon Calamari, which is shared by the Mon Calamari and the Quarren, who are, you know, uh-huh. the, the Quarren are not nice. They just have a, a different 
genetic makeup, I guess. You know, they just the the Mon Calamari are really noble, nice people, and then the Mon Calamari is slightly more devious, and so you've got the that quarry, whole the quarry, yeah. So you've got that whole rift between them, and that's been explored elsewhere. But then I believe, yeah, it was I, the didn't, I don't understand comic. what's going on there, but <laughs> I and again, I don't think it's it's been it's been played with but i don't think the the roots of it have ever been fully explored uh there's definitely elements of the the Moncal were the first to reach out to the republic and the quorum felt slighted maybe yeah. that rings a bell um but again as far as planet name goes at some point the planet was renamed dak the ac and I think uh-huh. that happened in the Dark Horse Legacy comics. But then that name kind of got retroactively fitted. So we could have talked about, about that in a retcon episode. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so... See, I like, I like Dak yeah. better. Because yeah. Mon- Moncala is... Yeah, it's a little bit too much like this planet is only full of Moncalamari people. Yes. And, and why should a planet be named this... after a species? That's a bit... Yes. And then you have a whole other species living in here. As far as we know, the quarren don't come from anywhere else. And then they're just treated as very much a, ver- a very secondary like species within this world. And yeah, so they're angry and I get why. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think within within the world itself that's necessarily true that they're treated as a secondhand species. I think Yeah. I don't know whether it's population numbers, but there are more Mon Cal than there are Quarren, which is why there's more of a makeup of that within the, yeah. the ruling bodies. Um, I, I feel like there were I refugees at some point, is what it looks like to me, and they just needed but another aquatic world, and to, they ended up in there. <laughs> it's very different to what we see in uh, Phantom Menace with the Gungans and the humans, in that you know, they live in completely different biospheres. You know, The humans live above ground, the Gungans live... Yeah below yeah. ground you know in, in in the ocean whereas the Moncal and quarren are both aquatic right species right and at least i mean well the gungans i guess the people from the humans are are they nabooians nabooans nabooans <laughs> um i well nubians humans. nubians nubians <laughs> well, like the ship but, it's a nubian of course it's a nubian <laughs> yes that's that makes sense but you know but we have <laughs> yeah but it's it's, yeah, it's not named. Well, it's not named Gungan. I, I, I've, there's some similarities, but yeah, at least they, they're they're able to live in completely different biospheres. I think that's a really fair point. It is a little strange that um, that in this fully aquatic world, then you have the Quarren and the and the Mon Calamari sharing the cities, probably, and it's all named after the Mon the the Mon Calamari people and the Quarren are. They don't even have representation, do they? But also, <laughs> the okay. Kingdom? But let's let's take um, let's take in universe facts as evidence here. Yes. Is that yes. the Quarren are mostly assholes? There's no two ways about it. So maybe they deserve the status. Well, but why do they? Why are they even? Tr- they are this way because they're treated like that. N- no, it's just it's just genetic makeup. So you've got. <laughs> So you've got Tessic from Jabba's Palace. You've got uh, Segal's Tell, who's the quorum that 
betrays Admiral Akbar and the Force and leads to novelization. You've got... Okay, I've got two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe, there's a maybe handful that's not of enough to make in, in a case for it, but... But anyway, we're not here to talk about Quarren. No, we're here to talk no. about Admiral Akbar. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> so anyway, the Clone Wars episode, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Separatists assassinate the king of Dak. Uh, Akbar kind of has to work with Anakin and Padme in this episode as well. Jar Jar's in it, spitting at Padme's helmet to seal it, because that's not weird at all. Mm-hmm. Um but essentially, at the end of this episode, the Separatist plot is foiled and Prince Li Cha takes up the mm-hmm. mantle of king and takes over Mon Cal. Now, the reason I want to start with this is that Prince Li Cha then turns up in the Marvel 2015 Star Wars run, Volume 8. So he's still there. He, well, it's the Empire are involved at this point. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, the Empire are very prevalent. Leia actually records... Uh, Lee Char's deathbed declaration imploring his people to stand up against the Empire, which is why the Mon Cal becomes such a big part of the Rebel Alliance. Um, you see the ships and Avril Akbar yeah. at such a focal point within Return of a Jedi then. But you also see that storyline come back to in the Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith comics, mm-hmm. where Vader goes to the planet because there's a Jedi there who's he's seen the future of this Jedi. He's seen a vision. He knows how important the Mon Cal will be to the death of the Empire and how they're going to be instrumental in that. But he kind of tricks King Lee Char by not telling the whole truth. So King Lee Char's trying to rebel against the Empire in those very early days and it basically results in hundreds of cities just being destroyed yeah. by orbital bombardment and then akbar kind of has to they're trying to fight against the empire but eventually char has to say to the empire no you know we're done we're we'll work with you where we will work for the empire which i imagine happened to you know thousands of worlds in yeah, those of course post empire days and then that ties into how legends treated the story of Amon Calamari. And remember those big ships that you see in Return of a Jedi? You know, the yeah. ones that really swung the tide of a war. So, in Legends, back in the days of the reign of the Empire, they were leisure ships. They were they were tourist ships. They were... Um, that's what the Mon Cal's were known for, was building these cruisers, these luxury cruisers. Really? Yeah. So these are but, not warships? No, but they knew what they were doing. They were building these massive ships that they could quite easily retrofit with armaments uh... ready to fight back. But if you... And that's incredible. If you poise yourself as a hospitality, tourism-based industry who makes these massive cruisers, you've got yeah. some serious firepower there once you add guns. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. to, to, and to use that industry as a way to be able to get through places... Um, when you know during a war, right? Like, because no one is gonna suspect it necessarily. I mean, and we are gonna tie this back to Akbar. So okay, okay, keep going. But Akbar spent ten years of his life as a slave to Grand Moff Tarkin. He was literally his slave, his his valet. 
Okay. He knew about the Death Star. He knew about Wait, certain things this coming is, up. This would be This is in, in Legends. Legends. Yep. Right, beca- because in canon, we know that he was... I mean, in, during the Clone Wars, he was doing things already. He was working... Yeah, but we're, he, we're talking uh, later now, so... He spent 10 years as a slave, a, a couple yeah. of years before A New Hope. Yeah. He managed to get rescued. Well, there was an attack on Tarkin's shuttle. He was rescued. I don't think the, the mission was to rescue him specifically, mm-hmm. but happened to be in the right place, right time. It was an attack on Tarkin's okay. life. Now, that feature of Akbar's life has been referenced in a lot of different ways. There's a vignette in the... Uh, Dark Empire source book from West End Games. It's one of the historical missions in the old X-Wing PC video game. Uh-huh. And so it's a established point of his life. And once he's rescued, then he lets the Rebellion know that this, there's this thing called a Death Star, the Simmer Pipework, and all these other bits of information come from Akbar then. And that's when he joins. Uh. And... Uh, starts working his way up the ranks yeah 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 but then in the force unleashed 2 novelization of a video game it's yeah. akbar that brings the Monkal and the quarren together to rise up against the empire and kind of become a really outspoken part of the rebel alliance so all of this we're working within canon as well as legends nothing contradicts yeah here yet but one other thing about akbar one really interesting thing that is different within canon and legends. Okay. Is that Akbar designed the B-Wing. What? The the B-Wing that you see in Return of a Jedi. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He designed that because he'd seen the Nebulon B frigate mm-hmm. come into force under the Empire, but was make it really hard for the Rebel Alliance to get through blockades and make cargo runs and all of that. So he yeah. designed the B-Wing, which was then built by the Verpines... Mm-hmm. to help get through these blockades. Now, this might sound really similar to people who don't know Legends but know canon because it's also in Rebels. Yes. So there's, but not, there's one... Obviously not with Akbar doing it. Not with Rebels. Akbar doing it. But the main story point of Akbar doing it is told through an adventure module for Western Games called Strike Force Shantipole. In Rebel, Shantipole is the planet that Quarry, the engineer, is building the B-Wing on. Mm-hmm. So they drew mm-hmm. from the same sources, and the role of the B-Wing is the same in that story. They need to get Wait. through an Imperial blockade. But in uh, in Rebels, if I rem- remember correctly, he already had that design in there. They just... So they uh, that ship already existed. So technically that design could have still come from from akbar it, it it could have yeah i think um i think he went to the verifiers to kind of make the prototype and then it went into um, yeah production under incom or whoever else was building their starships at that point yeah because because i literally watched that as part of my research earlier well i yeah I on disney plus while i was doing other stuff and Captain Rex already knows about the ship, so he knows to send it. But I can't remember whether, yeah. you know, this was like Quarren's pet 
Quarry's pet project or or whether it already existed. But yeah. there was definitely no mention of Akbar. I know that for a fact. There was no mention yeah, yeah, of Akbar. There's no in mention that of it. <laughs> but it could have happened. It 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 could have happened. We just haven't yeah. seen it yet. And okay. then throughout the original trilogy, we don't really see Akbar on screen at all until Return of a Jedi. Yeah. But he's always there. He's in all the source books. He's in a lot of the the books. Um he goes from being a captain when he's on uh Moncal, he's actually the the king's chief of security. Eventually mm-hmm. he goes up to Admiral. And then we get past the original trilogy. And then we, we get to like the Thrawn trilogy. So as the Empire, Darth Force Rising, Last Command. Now in those books, Akbar's actually arrested for treason and placed under house arrest. What? And there's suspicious Treason against money. the new empire? No, yep. the, new, the republic? new republic? Yep. There's suspicious money in his account. Um, certain uh, disastrous uh, confrontations that were based on his recommendations of ship movements and things like that. Yeah. But Thrawn turned out to be behind all of that. Of course. Because if you want to take anyone off the table, it's going to be a military mind like Akbar. Yeah. But in the end, he's the one that helps see through the the cloaking devices. Now, I know you haven't read the Thrawn trilogy, but one of the no. key moments of the second book is regarding uh, cloaking technology, where Thrawn has managed to apply cloaking technology to asteroids and mm-hmm. surrounds Coruscant. So that's how he gets to Coruscant, because ships can't go there. You literally yeah. can't go to the planet because you've got all these cloaked asteroids around it. Yeah. And it's Akbar that helps them figure that out. And then obviously his name's eventually restored and they figure out who was behind it the whole time. Yeah. So chronologically, after the Thrawn trilogy, you have the Dark Empire series. So at the end of uh, the first Dark Empire book, Mon Cal is attacked by Palpatine's World Devastators, which you also see in the rogue squadron n64 game so akbar goes back to Moncal to help rebuild that but at some point he's kind of called back into active service which takes you on to the jedi academy trilogy now at the beginning of that one uh beginning of a second book of that one actually uh he's on his way to the planet vors with princess leia they're gonna go watch the festival of the winds and he ends up crashing his B-Wing, which we all know he designed B-Wings, um, <laughs> into their massive glass cathedral because it had been sabotaged, but he didn't realize that. So he's devastated that he just trashed this really important building and kind of removes uh... himself from the story again. But again, it was all done through subterfuge. His technician was working for the Empire. He sabotaged his B-Wing. He yeah. retired for a bit, but then he came back. Uh, I mean, he's always kind of thereabouts throughout the rest of the Les- Legends chronology. Even up to the New Jedi Order, where in the book Destiny's Way, they kind of he, he's old at this point. He's old. He's living on Mon Cal with Winter. By the way, I talked about Winter earlier, so that's a bit weird. She's married, but yeah. she's living on Mon Cal with him. Um, the Skywalkers go to see him. Jason Solo goes to see him. And they're literally just saying, we need your help. You know, we're getting our asses handed to us. Here's all the information we have on the Yuuzhan Vong. And he literally turns around and takes all this data in and goes, oh, yeah, I know how to beat him now. 
and that's the turning point in the war is Akbar's mm-hmm. Akbar's input into the strategy and the strategies that they put in place over the coming months and that really turns the tide of the war to him then and then he dies off screen before the final book of that series um you know just old age that's all it was off screen off screen just old age uh but it's, it's that's it's, sad it's i mean because really i that's i feel like that's one of the things even on canon that he also kind of unceremoniously died in the movie as well when when it's just like you know out of all the alien species within the films i feel like Akbar is definitely one of the most prominent ones absolutely and i don't think it's even mentioned in the last year right. that he's dead right he's just, he's so, just happened to be standing there no one no one recognizes it no one acknowledges it and it's it's a shame it's a real shame yeah like, akbar was hard done by he really really was yeah yeah i mean he's you know he's no jackson right um <laughs> but but he's definitely really i mean as as he has a very complex and rich history within both legends and canon so it's definitely sad that actually on both Legends and Canon, he just sort of dies off screen. Well, I mean, um, in, in Legends, he died of old age, and it, and it is acknowledged. You know, they they take a moment to say we've just received word that he's okay. passed, and they all, you know, they all take a moment to reflect and acknowledge him. And yeah. yes, statues built to him later on. He have ships named after okay. him. Okay, so it it's kind of better than what happened in Canon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But one of the things from Legends that always i really appreciate is certain authors really made a point to reflect on the the aquatic nature of a species and they speak in uh aquatic puns and analogies and really because you would if that was your species although of course yeah you live under you live underwater you'll your um your grammar would reflect that a lot of the times you just speak in you know human terms but a yeah. couple of authors really, really went into that. And I always really appreciated that when it happened. They talk yeah. about, um, you know, fighting against the tide or just just things like that, because mm. that's what you'd expect. I like it, that. Yeah. It didn't happen all the time. But when it did, it was yeah. it was a nice It makes touch. sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it, that kind of goes with in, well, the way that he speaks, his his voice, right? It has a little bit of a of a gargly kind of yeah. sound quality to it, and I always just assume that's just because of his species. And when in more most recently in the Mandalorian, when we see a few other Mon Calamari people there and they're speaking and they don't have the same gargly voice, it I was thrown, you know, back a little bit because I'm like, oh, so that really is just Akbar's voice. It's not a species thing. It's not about how their vocal cords are put together. But then Radis just... had it in Road One as well. Right, Radis in right. Road One had that same right. thing. And I know exactly what you mean. When we saw that in the Mandalorian, I was like, hold on, he's just a northerner. He hasn't yeah. got that <laughs> Moncal accent. Yeah. Well, I mean, he they are in another planet, so maybe that's also just uh, the way that the Moncalamari have evolved in this other planet. They just have a different accent but so. i mean we spoke about like, that when we did our mandalorian episode how how much i actually thought we were going to mon Cal when, when yeah, we flew into yeah, that dockyard yeah. but yeah. it wasn't to be um one other thing i want to talk about with sure. Akbar is 
yes, great military mind, but the sense of humor that is portrayed in some of the books. <laughs> so you've heard me rave about Wraith Squadron books so many times yes. by Aaron Alston because they're amazing. But literally, the crux of that book is that Wedge goes to Akbar and says, listen, we've got Rogue Squadron. They're great at what they do. As a as a republic, we need something else. We're still fighting the Empire. We need a group who can be all things, do uh, you know, espionage and infiltration missions, not just fighting starfighters. And Akbar's like, no. Your, your request is refused. I can see you're really passionate about it, but no. And he's like, why? This is a great idea. He goes, I know it's a great idea, but uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to make it a bet. I'm going to let you have this opportunity. But if at the end of it, in my sole estimation, if it's a success, you have to accept the rank of general. Because Wade, you've been dodging promotions for years because mm -hmm. he's, he wants to stay on the ground. And Akbar knows this, and he's like, yeah. I see you're passionate about this, and I see you want to do this, and you're doing it for the Republic. You know, you're doing it against everyone's better judgment. You're doing it even though you know it's going to cause you God knows how many headaches. So you're acting like a general already. Here's the deal. I will let you do it. If it works, you have to accept the promotion. <laughs> he literally yeah. boxes him into it, and it's uh... such a good scene. And it's it's played in a really funny way as well. Yeah, like I guess to be. I wish we just had more more. I, well, I guess I could just read more of the books, right? But it just seems like <laughs> he, he does have. <laughs> we all know that's not going to happen. <laughs> but but no, but he he just seems to to really have, or he is regarded at, as as uh, having this great military mind, and and to do so, he needs to really understand people and how to get them up their ranks like you just des described right so but but we don't really get a lot of that within the movies right we just no. sort of we just have to accept that he is he is up there and that he knows that something is a trap but, <laughs> like but that's what you like can see that is what the expanded universe is for and i'd love to be able yeah. to say that his characterization was solid throughout all of the books but it's not it's you know it's it's all over the place it's yeah it's, pen it's very sketched out sometimes it's just akamar's great and very clever and sometimes he speaks in fish puns sometimes he doesn't so yeah. he doesn't have a consistent characterization but he is present just, throughout all I, of the legends books i kind of want a story of him when he is like retired like maybe you know in between like Whatever, whatever he was doing in, in between the sequels, right? So when he was just on retirement, whatever he, he maybe after or before he had his kid, <laughs> but just like old man Akbar story, where you know when they when they come to like bring him back in and he's just like all like in Lethal Weapon, just like oh I'm too old for this, <laughs> <laughs> for this poodoo to make it alone, you know. But he's like ah. Oh. <laughs> like with his gargly voice just being like i don't want to keep doing this <laughs> like of course you need me <laughs> that that story exists in legends that is what the story is he's happy in his he, retirement he knows he's old yeah and you know the war comes well, no, i don't want him to him. be happy i want him to be all like old man old man akbar just he, he was definitely annoyed he was definitely done wrong in the sequel trilogy of all the people that could have yeah could have had more of a role 
you know, it's, it's almost as bad as Wegia's three-second cameo. He, yeah, I mean, we should just, they should just do a, you know, like they're doing with Marvel, where, you know, with this short, limited um, series, just, you know, five episodes long. Let's just do that with some Akbar's of these, like, plot. Yeah, let's just do five episodes of Akbar. Let's do five episodes of Wedge, just stuff like that. And, you know... I I think it I think it'd be a hit. I think we all would know what's ha- you know, just for a few episodes. Let's just get dive into these characters and get to know what the hell they were doing. Well, let's hope we see that in the Star Wars on. Vision show that they're gonna do. Right, right, right. And I think this is a perfect way to segue into a passion crazy book of the week. So, Trevor, do we have what do we have uh, this week? It's the batshit crazy book of the week. So it's not even a book because that's how batshit this is. So for everyone that's got Disney Plus, you need to look up uh, Droid Tales, which is one of the Lego series, Lego animated series of somewhere. Now it yeah. starts with Trepio and R2 just recounting the movies round the campfire on Endor after the end of Return of the Jedi, but it ends Trev, up. Trev, I, I've actually watched this. Oh, it's amazing! And yeah. Akbar's got his <laughs> sweet ship. Akbar's yes. just got this really cool ship. It's the Delta 7 modified Jedi Starfighter called Daisy May. His ship has a name and he loves it. And <laughs> just the characterization of Akbar in the Lego animated shows is amazing. And that's why I'm choosing that because people should watch it. It's funny. Yes. It's funny as hell. Those, yeah, those, uh, those are really good. I really like the, the Droid Tales um, Lego. 3PO and R2 telling the story is hilarious. And then you've got the Lego All-Stars as well, which, again, I highly recommend people checking out. There's, there's nothing to say that this stuff didn't happen. I'm I'm very <laughs> happy that I can squeeze the Lego stuff into canon. So far, Lego has yeah. been very careful not to contradict anything. And yeah. they've just added loads of really cool stuff to the, to the timeline. Yeah, it's, it's just on a slightly more, obviously... Um, humorous, um, comedic tone. So there's maybe some hyperbole on how things could have happened, but they can still happen. It it may not have happened like we see it, but there's no way in my head that Akbar didn't have a sweet ride called Daisy May. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, I think that's uh, that's about it, man, right? I think we we covered a lot of Akbar. We talked... uh, we talked Mon Calamari, we talked Quarren, some crazy Lego series. Yep, Daisy May. Daisy May. <laughs> all right. Well, before we're done, as always, we want to remind all of you that we are available in all your podcast apps. So make sure to give us five stars and recommend us to all your friends. And if you can't wait until the next episode, go to Utini's Patreon. And that is patreon.com slash Utini. And for the cost of one cup of calf, you can get our episodes three months in advance in addition to a whole bunch of other exclusives. Trev, what's up next in our queue? So we're going to be doing a Shadows of the Empire bonus episode. So I know that there's a big focus on the War of the Bounty Hunters comic crossover that's out at the moment. Plus, Legends Lookback will be doing a roundtable. Cosmic Force will be doing an episode on the Shadows of the Empire comic. So we're going to jump in and do a Shadows of the Empire deep dive because, believe me, there is a lot to talk about there. And then yeah. we're going to follow that up with a, an Underworld episode where we're going to cover some of the other disparate elements of, you know, less than legal activities. 
Yeah, the, I mean, there was that, was that a video game or that was going to come out that was more about that? Or there was a series, 13, too, right? 13, 13, 13, yeah. Yeah, there was a trailer that's out. So that, 13, 13 was a video game, Underworld was a series. series. Yes, yeah. And I think that, I mean, there was a trailer created and I think it just went away the same way that detours did pretty much no no i don't, no, I don't think there was ever a trailer for underworld we've seen no? some of the behind the scenes filming but also they okay. wrote 50 scripts for that show <sighs> all right and they couldn't afford to make it because the volume didn't exist the thing that they make the mandalorian mm. on that didn't exist so they, yeah it was going to cost them a ridiculous amount of money to actually make it so they canned it uh well Maybe they can do it now. One day. They've, they've One day. made enough money with <laughs> with the parks and everything. Yeah. But, all right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Uh, we will be providing links and pictures to, I mean, we'll try to all these books that we talked about. There was a lot today. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll put them up in our, uh, in our Discord channel. If you have not joined the community, just head on to utini.com slash Discord. Click the Join Now button right on that page. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can find us in Discord or you can look me up on Twitter. And I am at the Joxie. That is T-H-E-J-O-X-I-I-I. Trev, where can people find you? I'm at Davey Todd on Twitter or you'll just find me hanging out on our Discord. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks to all our Patreon members for supporting us and making this show possible. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say radio out. It's a wrap. (laughs) There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time. May the Force be with you.